listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What's up, everyone? It's your host, Christmas Vogel, and welcome inside another episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media and Level Water. Level Water is New Orleans-based alkaline water that goes through 11 stages of purification and is infused with bioavailable minerals to deliver superior taste and hydration. Try Level Water today by visiting levelwatercode.com slash BKM and use our code BKM9PH, all caps, for a free t-shirt with a purchase of any level water case. Now let's get into this episode of the straight up saints podcast. And there's a lot to talk about between a recent ranking involving Michael Thomas that I know had Twitter heated today. Uh, I also want to talk about the trade, the not trade deadline, the franchise tag deadline, which is tomorrow at 4 PM Eastern 3 PM central time. Why is that important? Well, Marcus Williams was hit with the franchise tag. So we want to see if the saints get a deal done there. And then I want to talk a little bit about Xavier Howard and what's going on with that Dolphin situation. I think that's more of a hypothetical than it is an actual reality, but it's something to talk about. And obviously, since the Saints were listed as a rumored destination, it's worth discussing for sure. And obviously, if you have any comments along during this straight up Saints episode, just drop them in and I'll put them up on the screen and we'll discuss it throughout it. And I'll just break off topic for it if you guys have any comments. But without further ado, let's just jump into it. Let's talk about Michael Thomas. And the new rankings, so ESPN every year does a you know positional ranking, and it's pretty legitimate because you're talking about players, executives, coaches giving their opinion. So this isn't your least favorite analyst just going on TV like a Max Kellerman and just saying, okay, I think this player should rank here and this player should rank there. No, this is players, coaches, executives, a bunch of people coming together and they rank it out. And for wide receivers, Michael Thomas was ranked eighth. And as you'd expect, that really just didn't sit well with Saints fans, including myself. I was pretty livid about it too, and I was tweeting about it. And we all talked about whether or not that's too low. You know, if people are just sleeping on what Michael Thomas is about to do and what he's done just because of one year, which clearly appears to be the case. And in order to really get into this, and I think be fair about what's going on, I think we won't have to consider who's ahead of him. And then let's, you know, kind of debate whether or not he belongs over them. And obviously, you know how I feel about Michael Thomas. I believe he belongs almost, you know, over almost all of them. Uh, And the only two I'll give an exception, and they were ranked one and two respectively on this list, were Devontae Adams of the Green Bay Packers and DeAndre Hopkins of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, those are the only two receivers on this list that I feel like if you come at me and you say, hey, Chris, I think Devontae Adams is better than Michael Thomas, or I think DeAndre Hopkins is better than Michael Thomas. You can come up with a lot of numbers that can make a fair debate. Now, I'll probably still take Michael Thomas in some arguments, but if you want to tell me Devontae Adams is a better wide receiver, by all means, Devontae Adams is one of the best in the game, and the numbers he just put up in a what-have-you-done-for-me lately league are extremely impressive. So those guys, let's just get them out of here because I think those are two players who you can make an argument are better than Michael Thomas, so we put them off to the side. This is where it gets tricky. You have Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs both ranked over Michael Thomas. Tyreek Hill, for me, as special as he is, and his speed is so exceptional, there are ways, and I know it's tough, there are ways you can kind of make sure that Tyreek Hill isn't as much of a factor. Now, he will always be a factor because his speed is just blazing, and we've seen it, but can Tyreek Hill be a better receiver in the red zone? I'm not sure. Is he a more physical receiver? Obviously not. So there are, in my opinion, I would rather have the big-bodied receiver like a Michael Thomas, who, by the way, two years ago broke the record uh, for most receptions in a single season. I love how we just all forget about that. I'd rather have him. Stephon D- uh, Diggs is a guy who I really like. Obviously, I like him more now that he's off the Vikings, but I'm still taking Michael Thomas over Stephon Diggs, who is a really, really, really great receiver. 
But I think Michael Thomas, one, has done it more often, in my opinion. And two, I think just brings more to the table. Albeit Diggs is good, I would still take Michael Thomas over him. And then there's the group of three that just made no sense to me. And those three were Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, and Mike Evans. I'll go into the three. Like, if you want to tell me that the first two are better than Michael Thomas, and if you want to make an argument that you rather have Tyreek or Stephon Diggs because they're faster, whatever, all the power to you if that's what you want. But man, if you're going to sit here and you're going to tell me that Mike Evans, Julio Jones, and Keenan Allen are better than Michael Thomas, I'm just going to sit here and be like, are you kidding me? Because with Julio... Do his injuries not count? So if Michael Thomas gets injured for the 2020 season and misses time, we're going to immediately penalize him and say, okay, that's it. You're the eighth best receiver in the league. Julio Jones can miss games in 2020, 2019, 2018, almost every single year, but we're still going to rank him very high on this list. Keenan Allen, another guy who's missed a significant amount of time because of injuries, and obviously that stinks, but that is a fact. He doesn't get penalized. He has one good season because, again, it's a what have you done for me a late uh, league. and when Keenan Allen stays healthy for this past season, you're going to put over Michael Thomas. I find that a little odd. And then Mike Evans. Look, Mike Evans is a really good receiver. And I think us Saints fans do a really bad job of, you know, diminishing what Mike Evans is because we don't like the, the rivalry he has with Lattimore. We don't like the shove that he had on him and all that stuff. But Mike Evans is a good receiver. However, you cannot sit here and tell me with a straight face that Mike Evans is a better receiver than Michael Thomas. I won't have it. I really won't. And the fact that you know Mike Evans can go a game without a catch is just baffling. And the fact that he could do it consistently is baffling for me. So, and, and I do agree with that. I think Lattimore probably has something to say about that with Mike Evans being over Michael Thomas. I just find that very odd. And what really irked me about this whole list, because look, you can put a list together and as long as you have certain data, as long as you have certain reasonings for the moves you make, and that's anything in life, guys, that's not just this rankings, but when you're going to make a certain statement, you want to have something to back it up. When they're talking about Michael Thomas being eighth, you have an AFC executive. Now, this is an analyst. This isn't me. This An AFC executive says, and this is a quote, playing to his strengths means he needs an accurate quarterback, dot, 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 and Breeze was perfect for him. And I'm not going to sit here and knock Drew Breeze, and I'm not going to sit here and say that Drew Brees wasn't a perfect quarterback for Michael Thomas because obviously the two went hand in hand and they were so good at what they were able to do. But like, have we not seen Michael Thomas play well with Taysom Hill? Have we not seen Michael Thomas play well with Teddy Bridgewater? And I have the stats also to back that up because with Bridgewater, Michael Thomas had a game with 182 receiving yards against the Buccaneers. Michael Thomas had a game with 131 receiving yards against the Chicago Bears. Michael Thomas had 95 yards receiving in a game where the Saints didn't even score a touchdown. It was a Sunday night game against the Dallas Cowboys. Michael Thomas had 89 yards in a game where the offense only scored 13 points. It was the game against the Jaguars where everyone was just sitting there just tweeting negative things about Teddy Bridgewater because he couldn't hit the side of a barn. It was that bad, but Michael Thomas still had good numbers. And how about Taysom Hill, the guy who people can't stand when he's dropping back to throw? Michael Thomas had two 100-yard receiving games with him in the four games that he was there. It's, it's just baffling to me. Does having Breeze help? Absolutely. But you know what? It's almost a 50-50 thing because how many people are going to sit here on Twitter and tell you guys that Drew Breeze is overrated or Drew Brees stunk the last couple of years? So which one is it? Is Michael Thomas overrated or did Drew Brees stink the last couple of years? You cannot pick both. It can't be Michael Thomas is overrated and oh, by the way, Drew Brees was playing bad. Then how the hell did they put up the production? It makes no sense to me. And while we're on that subject of Drew Brees and what the last couple of years have been like, Look, the first two seasons with Michael Thomas, that was perfect. 2019 and 2020, I think the argument can be made 
that Drew Brees' inability to throw the ball deep, obviously because he was getting older and the injuries, hurt Michael Thomas's route tree more than Michael Thomas not being able to run those routes and him needing a quarterback like Drew Brees to maximize his skill set. If anything, having Drew Brees was the reason Michael Thomas was not able to go past 15 yards a lot of his routes the last couple of seasons because you really have to play more to that short slash intermediate passing game. So I just find it crazy. I think it's nuts. Now, I think there is some positive to this because Michael Thomas has that Jordan-esque attitude where he's probably going to slap this thing on a billboard in his house and he's just going to sit there every day walking past and say, okay, eighth best wide receiver in the league. We'll see what they have to say after the 2021 season is over. So I think there's some bulletin board material there. But it is it is crazy to me. A year ago, we were talking about Michael Thomas breaking a record for the ages. We were talking about Michael Thomas having the, the most receptions any receiver's ever had in their first four years. And we were talking about how this guy is on track to be a Hall of Famer, and he probably still is. And you have one year where you weren't bad, you were hurt, and you fall to eight. How quickly they forget. I think it's crazy. I really do. This is just going to play into the, you know, the narrative that people think he just runs slants. And, and at this point, we really can't stop it. But there are some stats, like I said before, that really just eliminate a lot of narratives. And the idea that he's not good if he doesn't have Drew Brees just is crazy. I mean, Nick Underhill, who obviously the guy puts out great stuff every single day, put out today 87 yards per game receiving. That's what Michael Thomas had with Taysom Hill. Come on. And, and look, I'm not this guy that's going to sit here and tell you that Jameis Winston's going to put up MVP numbers next season, but I think Jameis Winston's a better quarterback than Taysom Hill. And if Michael Thomas can do that with Taysom Hill, he could probably put up a good amount of yards per game with Jameis Winston. And especially with a 17-game regular season coming up, he's going to put up good numbers if he's healthy. And I think we're all going to look back at this list and we're going to laugh because never in a million years would you be able to have a football conversation right now and say, okay, rank the top seven wide receivers in the league or the top five wide receivers in the league, and Michael Thomas is off the list. I mean, yeah, if you ask a Falcons fan, they'll tell you that, but they don't know what they're talking about. But if you ask just a, a unbiased NFL fan, a casual fan, you are not going to go past the top five without Michael Thomas. He's the best possession receiver in the game. His physicality on routes, the way he just runs them, it's so violent, but it, violent in a good way. I mean, Michael Thomas is just his ability to get open and find those openings in the defense. Not many guys could replicate that. So I find it crazy. Obviously, by reading the comments that you guys have been sending me throughout, you guys find it crazy as well. And I am very, very interested to see how Michael Thomas approaches this upcoming season. Because one thing I've noticed, I'm sure you guys have noticed as well, Mike likes to tweet. Mike likes to tweet a lot. Mike hasn't been tweeting. He's been really silent. He's almost kind of just taking the punches up front right now, and then he'll deliver them back in a little bit. And obviously that would be the perfect scenario for the Saints because we all talked about how their offense just didn't seem right last year. Yeah, it doesn't seem right when you don't have the reigning offensive player of the year. I'm pretty sure that's going to hurt your offense a little bit. So having Michael Thomas back, if he is fully healthy, I'm hoping he is. Obviously that ankle injury is a little bit um, of a tricky situation there, but I am really excited to see what Mike does. I think this only adds more fuel to his fire. And while it's frustrating right now, I think that you know, as a group collectively, whether you're a Saints fan, whether you're not a Saints fan, whether you're an analyst, whether you're an insider, whether you're an executive, I, I just think as a whole, we need to do a little bit better with Michael Thomas because I don't know what it is. I, I, I guess it's the tweets that people don't like. I guess it's the, the swagger that he has. But since day one, I just don't think Michael Thomas has been treated fairly. And I know, you know, people are going to say, oh, who cares? He's getting paid X million dollars per year. He can take it. And it's not about that. I'm, I know he can take it, but we just need to be a little bit more fair because I don't see the national media going on Mike Evans when Marshawn Lattimore just zips him for like three straight games. 
Michael Thomas has one bad game and we're just plastering that thing all over. And the reason I say that is I vividly remember the 2018 season, the playoffs that they had. Everyone was so quick to talk about how Michael Thomas had four catches for 36 yards in the NFC Championship game and talk about how bad he played and what and this and that. He literally just beat the Eagles like a drum nonstop the week before. And had Michael Thomas not been in that game, the Saints lose that game. Michael Thomas was their best player. He carried the team throughout. And that game apparently doesn't matter. The game against the Vikings with two touchdowns, 80 plus yards against Xavier Rhodes, that didn't matter. The 130 plus against the Panthers and I believe his first playoff game, that didn't matter. It, it's insane. We always pick and choose. And I know that's life with everything. You pick and choose what you want to say and what you don't because obviously we're selective with everything. But when it comes to MT, it's it's insane. It, it really just blows my mind. Now I'm going to switch gears. I want to talk about Marcus Williams. Like I said, guys, the deadline for long-term deals to get done for franchise-tagged players is tomorrow. And basically what we're getting out of the league right now is that basically Chris Godwin going to have to wait till next year. Guys like Marcus May on the Jets got to wait till next year. It seems like the only one that really has a legitimate chance of maybe getting a deal done by tomorrow's deadline, which is 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, is Marcus Williams. And Marcus Williams and his contract situation is a little interesting because I've noticed from people tweeting at me and just people tweeting in general, because obviously I'm on Twitter for the majority of the day. I'm not going to hide it. You know, it is what it is. I'm always on. It's a little bit of a controversial topic in the sense that you have half the crowd that really wants Marcus Williams to get extended. And I'm part of that crowd. And then you got the other crowd that wants to wait and they rather let this play this season play out because apparently Marcus hasn't cut it out yet. I don't know how, but to some people he hasn't. Uh, and obviously, if you guys are one of those people who want him to get extended, put comments down. And if you're on the flip side and you don't want him to get extended, let me know. I'll put it up on the screen and we'll discuss. But Marcus Williams, for me, at age 24, three of his four seasons with at least three picks, being a safety that you can use in variety of ways, especially as a single high safety, which is really hard to do in this football league. I think if the Saints can get a deal done, and obviously it's easier said than done, you do it because he is going to be a corner piece. And I can sit here today, guys, and I think I would feel way safer in paying Marcus Williams than I would Marshawn Lattimore. Now, in a perfect world, you pay both, obviously. But I would feel a little bit more comfortable doing that because I think Marcus Williams is a little bit more, um, I would say, consistent. I, I think year to year, it's almost you know what you're getting from Marcus Williams. And I tweeted this the other day, and I truly mean it. I think that Marcus Williams, I don't think we've seen the best of Marcus Williams because like I said, people forget he's been in this league for four years now, guys, and he's only 24 years old. He's extremely young, extremely versatile, extremely talented. And yeah, look, do we get aggravated from time to time over the Minnesota game? Sure. I guess it pops up in the back of your mind, but it should not be that big of a deal, guys. The plays that he makes, and I go back to this all the time, the Falcons game this past season on the road. Some of the best safety play I've seen from a Saints player in a long time. I mean, what he was able to do, the breaks he had on the ball. And again, it's not all about interceptions because I did have a little bit of a back and forth with someone who said he only has, I believe, 13 picks in his first four years. And they didn't think that was enough. And I was kind of baffled by that because in my opinion, 13 picks in a four-year span is pretty damn good because, you know, we all love Tyron Matthew, obviously, a former LSU guy, and, and everyone loves the Honey Badger. The Honey Badger in his first five seasons with the Cardinals had 11 picks. Marcus Williams has more picks in one less season. Context is important. I think Marcus is a really, really talented player. He's currently the 10th highest paid safety in the NFL if he plays on his franchise tag. And Spotrack, their projections, and they're kind of spot on sometimes. Their projections are $13.5 million per season. 
And I know that people are going to just sit there, see that number, $13.5 million per season for Marcus Williams. And some of you are going to say that's a steal. The other half is going to be like, man, I don't know if I want to pay that money. I would pay that money. I really think that Marcus Williams, you went out of your way to franchise tag him. And I don't think you would go out of your way to franchise tag him unless you thought that he's someone that you want in your future plans. And maybe you want to wait and see how he plays with the new DBs coach. And I don't think that would be the worst strategy in the world. But if you can get a deal done before that 4 p.m. Eastern deadline tomorrow, you get that deal done. And more importantly, I think it would be another way of the Saints once again this offseason, which they've done so many times and people still won't just believe what they're seeing, telling people while they are retooling, they're not rebuilding because the core pieces for this team, Alvin Kamara locked up long-term, Michael Thomas locked up long-term, Ryan Ramchick locked up long-term, DeMario Davis got a contract before week one's game. I mean, they have done an excellent job of keeping the core pieces intact. I know everyone wants to lose their minds over the roster, you know, the role players they lost because of the cap, but they are keeping their core guys on the roster. And if you extend Marcus Williams, that is another guy from your really great 2017 draft class that you have on for the long haul. And you say, okay, this is a building block for our secondary and it really eases things. So I hope a deal gets done. I don't know if it will, but it's something that people should monitor tonight in the morning. And the Saints did put up a tweet about Marcus Williams being a ball hawk early this week. And I kind of thought that was them foreshadowing a deal. So if it happens, I'm going to go right back to that tweet and I'm just going to be like, all right, they were hinting at it. And if not, then kind of a weird tweet to put out a little tone deaf, if you ask me, but I'm more than, I'm going to say I'm 50, 50. I really think there's a good chance that a deal gets done and that's going to be interesting. And now, since you guys asked, it brings me to literally my last point and I'll go on for a little bit here. It was the Xavier Howard trade talks. And Xavier Howard, if you guys don't know, he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. You can make an argument that he was the best cornerback in the league last year. Obviously, you have your Jalen Ramsey fans and you'll have your Jair Alexander fans, but Xavier Howard was great. The one thing you can't deny is that he led the league in interceptions with 10 of them. He was so good all pro last year. And Xavier Howard's proved for multiple seasons that he's one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. That is not a question that needs to be answered because we already know the answer. Now, if I talk about a guy like Xavier Howard in that regard, you're probably sitting here and say, Chris, why the hell were there trade talks for him? Well, Xavier Howard in 2019 signed a pretty massive contract. It's five years, 75 million. And that is a fair deal. However, Xavier Howard just had 10 interceptions in the NFL season. It would almost be dumb of him not to go to the table and say, hey, I want more money or I want a new contract. Let's figure this out, which is exactly what he wants, which is exactly what the Dolphins don't want to do because the Dolphins are already paying a lot of money for Byron Jones and a lot of money for Xavier Howard. And I think there's a cap as to how much money you want to spend on two cornerbacks. I don't think there's a team in the NFL, maybe the Rams, they just like to throw money around, that want to spend more than $30 million per year on two cornerbacks. That's a lot of money at that position. So the Dolphins are going to have an interesting decision to make. Do they crack and give Xavier Howard the money that he wants? Or do they say, okay, we have Byron Jones. We drafted a cornerback in the first round last year. Why don't we trade him for at least a first-round pick, which is I'm assuming they'll get more than that, and capitalize on a cornerback needy league? Because there's only a couple of teams in the league that would not be after Xavier Howard. And interestingly enough, Jeff Duncan of The Athletic put out that if Xavier Howard's on the trading block, he expects the Saints to be heavily involved in trying to land him. Now, obviously, that's careful wording. That is more so an expectation, and I think Jeff Duncan's right. But that doesn't mean anything's going to happen. Now, why should the Saints be interested? What are the pros? What are the cons? Well, why should the Saints be interested? Because the Saints have a massive hole at cornerback too. We cannot ignore this. 
you know, everyone wanted them to sign Richard Sherman. Now Richard Sherman's going to be in some legal issues. That's obviously a, a scary incident that I really don't want to get into right now. But if you guys don't know what's going on, obviously just search up Richard Sherman and you'll get all the facts you want on what's going on with his situation. I don't know if you can sign a free agent in, you know, July 14th and say, okay, I feel very confident he's going to fix our cornerback two needs. Now, Gary and Conley wouldn't be a bad option. Drake Kirkpatrick wouldn't be a bad option in terms of depth, but you can't sit here and tell me that, okay, because they signed them, the cornerback two issue is fixed. No, that is a potential solution, but it's not a guaranteed solution. So as long as that's the case where we don't know if it's Paulson to Debo, we don't know if it's Patrick Robinson, if we don't know if PJ Williams, you know, at this point in his life, you know, the light bulb is just going to turn on. You basically need another cornerback and it's an issue that you can't ignore. And the saints have done a good job of always being aggressive and always looking if there's an option out there. And Xavier Howard, if he's available, Saints got to make the call, see what the price is, and obviously make a, de a decision there as to whether or not they want to invest and whether or not they think it's worth that investment. Now, the pros and the cons of Xavier Howard. Pros, I mean, the ball skills are there. You don't get 10 interceptions without having elite ball skills. The production is there. It's not just one season where he wowed people. He's had multiple good seasons. He's been a really good cornerback on a really good defensive team, and he would go to the Saints. And assuming that Lattimore isn't part of this deal for at least one year, you would have the best cornerback tandem in football. You cannot find me a better cornerback tandem than Marshawn Lattimore and Xavier Howard. That would be the best one-two punch at that position in football. And it really would, you know, if they play up to their potential, would be amazing because I think that would really just shut down teams uh, on a week-to-week -week basis. When you have a secondary that has Marcus Williams, Malcolm Jenkins, Xavier Howard, and Marshawn Lattimore, I don't know how you're going to throw the ball consistently on that group. So that would be a pro. Adding a guy who is an all-pro, a Pro Bowl uh, caliber player who is 28 and in his prime, that is a pro, but that is also a con. And the reason I say that is if Xavier Howard wants a new deal, that means you're going to be paying this guy a lot of money for future years. And with cornerbacks, they're kind of like running backs in the sense that when they fall off the cliff, it's over. You can't just fall off the cliff and get back on. It's not going to happen. And for corners, when you play in a league where it's already favoring offenses and these receivers are getting better and better each year. I mean, we had about 20 receivers this year in this draft that I sat here and was like, man, I like this prospect. I like that prospect. They're getting better each year. I mean, you have to go out there and cover guys like Michael Thomas one week. And then the next week, you got to cover a guy like Devontae Adams. And the next week, you got to cover a guy like DK Metcalf who can jump 42 inches while holding a 15-pound medicine ball. I mean, these guys are not human. They're incredible athletes. So it's already tough enough for corners. And then you get to an age where kind of fall off a cliff. And we've seen that with the Darrell Revis. We've seen that with the Champ Bailey. We've seen it with guys, even the greats. You get to an age, even Namdi, who everyone loved Namdi, you get to a point where you just don't have it anymore because you are playing the hardest position outside of quarterback in the NFL and you just can't keep up. So I think it's a little bit of a worry that Xavier Howard is 28 because, man, do you want to give him that big deal? And then two, three years from now, he's playing terribly, but you're still under contract for like three or four more years. It's a really tough ask. And to make matters worse, you have a decision to figure out with Marshawn Lattimore. This is why I'd be a little you know, shocked if the Saints actually acquired Xavier Howard. I, I would commend them for going after him. And depending on what the compensation would look like, I would make my you know opinion on a deal then. So I'm not here to say, oh, the Saints shouldn't go after Xavier Howard. They absolutely should call and see what the price is for Xavier Howard. They'd be stupid not to, and I guarantee you they will ask. But they got a decision to make on Marshawn Lattimore, who, by the way, He's younger. He's 25. He is younger than Xavier Howard. So you think, okay, if we're worried about the age factor, advantage would go to Lattimore. Now, advantage and skill set, that goes to Howard. That's not a debate in my opinion. I think Xavier Howard's the better football player. But Marshawn Lattimore is someone who 
All right. Was the second half of last season something that he picks up where he left off this year? Or do we start the usual cycle where Marshawn Lattimore kind of starts the season on a slow start and then picks it up, which again is fine for a team like the Saints where you make the playoffs be every year because you're getting a guy who's ascending at the right time. But if the Saints do pay Marshawn Lattimore big bucks, they want him to produce every week. They don't want him to produce when he feels like it. And I know this, you know, the issues about Lattimore's consistency, I think they're almost gone. I think it was more of a concern two years ago than it is now. But again, the Saints have to figure out, do they want to pay Marshawn Lattimore long-term? Is he a guy who they think is a cornerback one for the foreseeable future? If that's the case, then the Saints desire their interest in Xavier Howard, I think takes a little bit of a hit because you think, okay, our shutdown corners in the building, we just need a good Robin to the Batman. Now, if you don't think Lattimore's your Batman, and I know I use this reference an awful lot, so bear with me when I do this, then okay, then maybe we should be a little bit more serious in the idea of acquiring Xavier Howard. And I agree. It's This thing with Marshawn, I defend him more than I criticize him, but I do criticize him when I feel like he does deserve the criticism. When Lattimore's on his game, there aren't a lot of corners that I think are better than him. But when Lattimore's off, man, it stings because you know how good he can be and you know how much better the defense is when he's on. When, the, when, Mar- when Lattimore plays his game, that's when the Saints really just blow teams out and the defense just dominates. And you talk about that Bucks game where they just ran over him. Lattimore shut down Mike Evans easily. You know, you talk about the game where they beat the Cowboys and they never touched down in 2019. Lattimore locked up Amari Cooper. So when he plays on his game, man, it's fun. And it, and it really is upsetting because the way he came out of the gates, winning defensive rookie of the year and playing at such a high level, you kind of had those Jalen Ramsey-esque expectations and he hasn't really hit them. That doesn't mean he's been bad because obviously, you know, I just told you guys, I thought he had a really strong second half of the 2020 season, but you want a little bit more. So the Saints have a decision to make with Lattimore, I think. And obviously behind closed doors, they have a clear opinion of what they think he can be and what he is. And those are all important things. And that will dictate whether or not they go after Xavier Howard, in my opinion, because Xavier Howard, I don't think you go all in investing first round picks when you don't even know if your quarterback is the answer for a corner for a second cornerback. If you think Lattimore's the answer, if you don't think Lattimore's the answer and you don't think he's the, the cornerback one on this team this year, next year, two years from now, and you don't even think about extending him, Okay, let's talk shop. But for now, I'm more on, let's see what happens with Xavier Howard. Let's just read the tea leaves. Let's just read everything that comes out and be very cautious. But I think it's going to be very interesting. So before I wrap up, guys, if you guys have any questions, concerns, drop them in for a couple minutes and I'll answer some of them before I sign out. I know we have game four of the NBA finals coming up and you guys want to watch that. So I was very careful about when I slotted this uh, straight up Saints in. I wanted to make sure I cut it off before game four of the NBA final starts. So about two minutes, if you guys have questions, put them on the screen and I'll get to them. So do I think it's Jameis's job to lose that quarterback? I, you feel like Taysom is better as a Swiss Army knife? Yeah, I don't I don't even think that's, uh, well, technically it is an opinion, but I think it's almost become a fact at this point that Taysom Hill in his Swiss Army knife role is very valuable and very unique. And what he can do really changes the game. And for people who don't think that's the case, just go back to this last year's playoffs game against the Bucs. The Saints at Taysom Hill, that opens up the red zone game because when you can't throw the ball in the red zone and you're struggling, how about some power runs? That works a lot when the Saints can swing out a tackle or swing out a guard and get Taysom Hill moving. They're usually highly successful with that. And the fact that he can play receiver, he can play tight end, you can give him H-back stuff. He is just, he's a do-it-all guy. And you know what? You take away the do-it-all when you're just playing one position. And when he's not playing that position extremely well, it's almost like, man, do you really want to take away 
the other things that he does really well for something that he's not mastering that craft at. I don't know. Now, do I think Jameis is significantly better? Well, let's see how Jameis looks in the in the Sean Payton offense. But if James if Jameis plays, you know, like Jameis did excluding the 2019 season, then yeah, I think Jameis is significantly better than Taysom Hill at quarterback. If he plays the way he played during the 2019 season, I I do not think he's throwing 30 interceptions. I cannot say that enough. I really don't think that's going to happen. Then yeah, I don't think he'd be significantly better. So I do think this is Jameis's job to lose. I think he is the clear cut favorite for this job because one, he has more experience at quarterback. He's got the better arm, which is reason number two. And reason number three, I mean, this is the last chance. You know, if Taysom Hill doesn't win the starting job for the Saints, I think all is okay because Taysom Hill has a role in this in this league because. He is versatile. He is quick. He is shifty. He's a good blocker. He's a willing tackler. I mean, you can put this guy in special teams and he'll do what you ask. If Jameis Winston doesn't win this job and Jameis Winston doesn't get his career back on track, what is Jameis Winston, unfortunately? Is he another Ryan Fitzpatrick? That's not what he wants. That's not what we want to see either. So I think there's more at stake. I definitely think it's his job to lose, but I also think he will win the job when it's all said and done. That being said, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I want to thank you guys as always for tuning in. We'll have another episode early next week. Uh, if, if a Marcus Williams deal gets done, I'll be back on here and we'll talk about it for sure. So fingers crossed that happens. Uh, but obviously I want to thank you guys once again for tuning in, dropping your comments. That was a lot of fun. Enjoy game four of the NBA finals, guys. If you're big Marvel fans, I hope you enjoyed or will enjoy the Loki finale. I thought that was fun. I tweeted about that earlier today. Uh, always some good stuff with Marvel. But anyway, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Stay tuned for more content in the very near future. And until then, guys, let's hope that the Saints get a deal done Listen with Marcus. To the Straight Up Saints podcast.